Unlike last time, I brought my family with me. As you've noticed, I've got Michaela over here is 15. Jocelyn is my oldest, 17. My wife is with me here, and Jason, our son, is 13. So we are very glad to be here. I've told them lots about you, and they were all good things, although I was a little concerned, Pastor. You said we added a lot to the choir, but you didn't say if it was a good thing or not. So, and the, the silence afterwards when he had said whether we should come back or not, everybody was kind of quiet. So I get the point. I understand. That's okay. But uh, we certainly are glad to be here this evening with you. And it's just been amazing to see how God has blessed over the last year. Oftentimes we feel insufficient, don't we? Or, or insecure in, in ourselves, and to see how God has worked in our lives in spite of ourselves has been so amazing. But tonight I want to talk about that, a little bit of insecurity, what the Bible does there and shows us a pattern and what God wants of us. Um, we've often felt, I'm sure you have as I well, I have as well, insecure about ourselves in different areas. Things we, we can't do as well as other people can do, or areas in our life where we feel just not up to it, uh, not up to the standard. Um, right now, we have one child who's working through geometry. Anybody love math? I enjoy math, but geometry is not math. I don't know what to say about that, but, uh, but that's okay. We, we've got some different things going on there, and, and sometimes you feel like you just, you're just not enough, right? And we understand um, through God, to God, um, we don't measure up. The Bible has said that we're all sinners. There is none that is righteous. No, not one. But that's not what I'm talking to uh, and about tonight. I grew up in a home where um, it was not perfect, likely like some of your homes. Uh, maybe a great childhood, but not perfect. And, and as, a, as a young person at the age of 14, I got saved. And I'm so thankful for that. I uh, called to preach or answered the call to preach at 15, but I struggled. I, I had a home life, like I said, and we won't get into all things, but you could just say it wasn't perfect, okay? Uh, my upbringing was not what it could have been, and I felt like, Lord, could you use me? Are, are you sure you're, you're calling me into the ministry? There's got to be someone better, right? There's got to be someone who meets the qualifications and has better experiences than me, and I don't know. Are you sure about this? And, 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 and ministry is an important thing. I grew up learning uh, different trades and construction. Now, if this room was full, I don't think we could put 1,000 people in here. But if there was 1,000 people in here today, I could teach a course on how to lay block or, or brick or, or how to put on a metal roof, and I could do it with my eyes closed. That's not a big deal. But handling the scriptures, that's a whole different thing, right? Whether, whether it's preaching in front of a crowd or just witnessing to somebody at a bus stop, that's intimidating. Lord, are you sure you want to use me in this situation? I might mess up. I might say the wrong thing, and, and I have some of these struggles as maybe you do as well. But then I think about some of the people, and, uh, you know, we got people who are, who are tax collectors. I mean, just rotten people, right? And, and God used them, didn't he? And then we think about people like Saul. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. You can turn there. But in Acts chapter 6 and 7, we're going to see this wicked man named Saul. And, and not only was he a bad person, he persecuted Christians. I mean, he was the worst of the worst. I'm sure these men and these women in the Bible who God used probably felt, 
how in the world can God use me, right? I know I still feel like that often. But today I want to show you in, in, in Acts chapter 8 some pretty amazing things that have been an encouragement to me. Let's pray and then we'll get into our passage here this evening. God, our Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the light and the lamp. It, it talks about being and it is. And we pray that tonight you would help us to shed a little light on some things that we, we could be doing better and some different ways in which we can serve you, Lord. And I pray that as we do so, you would direct our path and you would just show us the next step we are to take. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to see a man by the name of Philip in Acts chapter 8. But in Acts chapter 6 and 7, before this passage of Scripture, we would have a man named Stephen, right? Stephen in chapter 6 and 7 give the testimony of, of how he was, he was used greatly by God. It says, um, where does it say that? It says in, I am already right here. Anyways, it talks about the fact that he was used greatly. Um, God was able to use him. Uh, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles amongst the people. It says in verse 8 of chapter 6, it was this Stephen who over the next chapter and a half would give testimony to what God did, and then he would be put to death for his faith, right? Um, he would be stoned because of his testimony for the Lord. Now, it would be on the heels of this event in Scripture that we're going to find ourselves today with, with Philip. And I like to kind of put myself into the passage a little bit here. And I, and I wonder if around me people were being put to death for preaching the gospel, what, what would I do? Would I say, you know what, I think it's, uh, I've got enough vacation days maybe saved up. I think I'll take a break for a while and maybe let everybody else handle it and see what happens. Maybe, maybe I would do that or maybe I would just kind of hide in a corner and, and wait to see how things happen. But that's not what we see with Philip here this, this evening. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to read the first six verses, and then we'll continue a little farther. It says this in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It starts out like this. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Of course, that's Stephen we're talking about. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which is at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits were crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and they were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Well, that sounds fantastic, doesn't it? He continued preaching the gospel, and now he's in an area where people are just receiving the word and, and, and obeying, and, and we see lives are changed here, and, and he's doing some great works. And and. And people are responsive there, and that's an encouraged thing. But let's continue on. Let's go over to verse 25 in the same chapter. We'll continue reading here. It says in 25, And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 26 says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south 
unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Verse 27 says, And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. Read, Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb, dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his, in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We'll pause there, but there's some very interesting things regarding this passage of Scripture that have been an encouragement to me as I've read and I've studied through here. Um, the first thing I notice is something that I, I don't see at all. In this passage of Scripture, it does not talk about how good Philip looked, right? There's nothing there that talks about how um, he was six foot three and dark brown hair and, uh, and just looked fantastic, right? It, that had nothing to do with the story at all. It doesn't talk about how he spoke. It doesn't talk about if he was beautiful with his speech and had lots of great illustrations and just really got into it. It doesn't talk about where he went to college. None of these things are mentioned here at all, right? All that we see is that God spoke and Philip obeyed. In this passage of Scripture, we see just a willingness to serve Christ in any way that God would want us to do so, and that he blesses that. And that's an encouragement to me. As I said, oftentimes we feel discouraged, distracted. We feel like, God, I, there's no way I can do this. All God is asking us to do is to be a witness for him. And that's such an encouragement to me um, today. We notice in this passage of scripture that reading through this, Philip had a singular focus. He understood his task was to preach the gospel. And, and really, if we were to have that same focus and in our life, it would make a lot of other decisions pretty easy, wouldn't they? If, if, we, had to, if we had to make decisions and we based them on uh, a passion and an involvement of sharing the gospel with others, our life would be a lot simpler. And that's, that's really what we're here to do. We would understand today that that's a good job for pastors, right? Preach the gospel, invite people to church, make disciples. And if pastor wasn't doing that, you might say, pastor, we have a problem. I mean, you're supposed to be the pastor, right? And, and, but do we understand that today? That is all of our responsibilities. If we know the Lord as our personal Savior, we are to be sharing the gospel with others. The Bible doesn't just say pastors go into all the world and preach the gospel, but it talks to all of us. If we know the Lord, we have the privilege to be able to do that ourselves. 1 John 3.18 says this, My little children, 
Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Uh, an easy way to say this is, let's just stop talking about it and do something, right? We talk about the neighbor we want to witness to or, or the co-worker that someday will work up the courage to, to give them a piece of paper with some literature on there, and we haven't done it yet. Instead of just talking about the things that we ought to be doing, we, we should be doing them. And the same is true is here. I, I praise the Lord for times of testimony when we can hear of answered prayer and, and salvations, and, and this is wonderful, but when was the last time you shared your testimony outside of the building, right? And that's what we're called to do. It's amazing. I have not been in Vancouver very long. Uh, as you know, I was back last year. That was my very first time. So I don't know the area very well. But I am certain that people here have an idea of what Christians are like, right? Um, uh, okay, if you say, well, I'm a Christian, they already are thinking some things. Maybe not good things. But they're thinking of Christians they know. And isn't it funny, the world has some ideas about Christians. They, they often know what we're against, right? Oh, you're a Christian, so you, you mean you don't drink alcohol, and you don't, you don't party, and you don't smoke, and you don't... And that's kind of a negative outlook. But, but why is it that's all they know about us? I would say that that's our fault, right? So often I think of it like this. When I was a child... Sometimes I didn't have the best friends. And my friends would say, hey, why don't you come out with me and we'll do this thing, right? And I would often reply, my mama won't let me do that. I'm not allowed to do that because my mommy said no. And we do that, right? But so often that's our same response to the world. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm a Christian. How many would agree that's a terrible testimony? You know, wouldn't it be better if in our witness and, and what they knew about us and our Savior is the things that we have in Christ? What if we were to share about the peace we have and, and the joy we have in our personal Savior and the love we know? You know, like I said, my home was not perfect, but I'm thankful that I have a Heavenly Father who says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right? And that's an encouragement to me. That is something I can, I can hold on to. And these are the things we ought to be sharing with the lost world that's around us. 1 John 3.18 mentioned that word love. And the Bible says in 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. Again, we have a pattern to follow set out by Christ himself. And that's the pattern we ought to be following. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Our Christian life in sharing that with others is going to take some effort. There is going to be some sweat. There is going to be some, some things we give up or some things we give in order to be a Christian. And, and that's good. I would like to, I, I, I really truly believe that I love the Lord. But, but how do I show him that kind of love that he showed me? That's a tricky question right there, isn't it? I, I, I love God, but, but there's no way. How, how do I comprehend loving him the same way? We understand we serve a holy God, right? We serve a God that is without sin. And we, on the other hand, not so much. We, we, we have a room full of sinners here tonight, right? We, 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 oh, it's so frustrating, isn't it? 
Now, now, let me ask you a question. How do we reciprocate that same kind of love? How do we show a holy God the same kind of love he has shown to us? Well, turn with me in Matthew chapter 20, 22. Um, John 14, 15 says this, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, John, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 22 is going to give us a great story here. It is a, a summation of the Old Testament Ten Commandments, okay? We understand, by the way, that we're not under the law. We're under grace, and that's a blessing. And, and we understand that the Ten Commandments are broken up into really two parts. Our response to a holy God and our response to those around us, okay? And this, this passage of Scripture is really just an illustration of that. And it says this in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. It starts like this. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. But then it continues. And the second is like unto it, meaning these two things work together. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Oh, so if we want to show love to a holy God, we are to love him, and we're also to love our neighbor. Now, I don't know your neighbor. I don't know if they're nice. I don't know if they're a pain in the neck. I don't know what they're like. But we all have people we come across, right? And unfortunately, we probably all have some people that just drive us crazy, right? I hope they're not here. Don't look around tonight. But if you have somebody in your life that just, I mean, the kind of person you just want to hug around the neck real tight. You know what I mean? Those kind of people. And they just, they just drive you crazy. No matter what happens, no matter how you treat them, they're just that kind of person. When dealing with them, our neighbor... What is a help to me is to remember how I've offended God. How I have not offended is a nice way to put it, right? We have sinned against him. And we know that penalty, that payment for sin was death. And yet he chose to pay that penalty for us. And when I remember my wickedness and the fact that Christ died on my behalf, it helps me to love my neighbor just a little more, right? It, it, it reminds me of who I am to Christ and the payment he paid for me, and it should help us to love our neighbor that one more. And in the same way, we are showing that love back to Christ. Because remember this, he didn't just die for me, right? And he didn't just die for you, he died for them. And we ought to love them the same way as well. Philip understood this. Philip, if you were taking notes tonight, we would understand that he was a willing servant. You might say, well, you know what? If I was in this passage, I'd be a willing servant. If, if my friends and people that were preaching the gospel were put to death for taking a stand and sharing their testimony with others, and I was told to go somewhere else and preach the gospel, and everybody would listen, and everybody's lives would change, and I was a big deal, and things were happening, who would say, I will go? Lord, I will follow you anywhere like that. That sounds fantastic. Sign me up. But then we get to 25, right? When the angel of the Lord comes down and says, go to the desert. Have you ever argued with God? 
you can, you can admit it. You're like, oh, I know you're God, but you know what? I'm going to pray about this for a while. I'm going to see. Are you sure you want this thing? Is that the pattern we see here? Do we see Philip having an argument with God? That's not what happens, is it? We, we see him just, just saying, Lord, you, I'm gone. Like, oh, there's a chariot, and he ran to it, right? And that's, that's the kind of example we see here. I am thankful for this example in Scripture. We see Philip was just a willing servant. He didn't hesitate. He didn't wait. He followed the Lord. And because of that, God used him, right? God was able to use him because he was willing to be used. I think that we understand here, we see next, number two, a wanting sinner. In Belize, where we've gone to and where we're going back to, we see a lot of people who are just down and out. Sinners, yes. And people that are just at the bottom, looking for answers, looking for something to fill that void in their lives. And you understand what I'm talking about. In Belize, they fill that void with alcohol. Alcohol is very easily accept, uh, 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 accessible. It's easy to get. And you'll see people trying to forget problems or to, to just go away or feel numb. And they'll try and drown their problems and fill that emptiness in their life with alcohol. And that's so sad. And we're looking forward to getting back there to be able to share the gospel with them because we know that is a hope, right? But that's not what's happening in this story. The Ethiopian eunuch, he was not down and out at all, was he? This, was a, this guy was a pretty big deal. He had prominence. Everybody know who this man was. He had a position. He was in charge of all the queen's treasure. And he had, he had some fancy things. I bet this chariot he had was pretty nice. I'm a, I'm a truck guy. You can be a vehicle guy or a car guy. I'm a truck guy. And I would like to believe if he's in charge of all this treasure, I guarantee you, he was rolling in style, right? He had all the things that people are looking at today to, to make you feel like you have arrived. And yet he wasn't there. It doesn't matter if you're the down and out or have all of this world's treasures. It doesn't satisfy, does it? And this man was searching. I am so thankful that we see in this passage of Scripture a man that was searching and a man that was willing to meet that need. Unfortunately, what I see today in life is, yes, a lot of people that are searching for answers and searching for the Lord, but all too often they're met with Christians that are too busy. You know what I mean, right? We get, we get busy. We can get busy with our jobs. We can get busy with hobbies or really anything that will distract us from what? From that main thing, that sharing the gospel with others. Pastor, are you saying we shouldn't work a job? No, no, not at all. The, the Bible says, if you don't work, neither shall ye eat, right? And I am a fan of that. I'm a fan of eating. I need to, I need to work. And, and that's a good thing. We're to, to work, to put food on the table, and that's wonderful. But we also understand a, a job is an extension of who we are a little bit, right? There are people you can work in your industry, in your, in your field, maybe where you go to visit people, your coffee shop, whatever it is, that somebody else here can't reach. You know people in your community that you can talk to that if I came up to them, they would say, stay away from me. And they'd probably pull out their mace or pepper spray, right? Don't talk to me. But you have an inroad there. 
You, you have a relationship. You know how to talk to them. You, we just need to be willing to do so. So we understand that Philip here was just a willing servant. We see a, a wanting sinner. We see a world full of people who are searching for answers, searching, searching for truth and searching for God. And then we see a witnessing spirit. I am thankful for the Lord. I am thankful for how he's working in this situation. Before anything goes on here, we see this man knowing there's a void in his life. And I believe God put that in everybody. That, that uh, a whole person with a hole missing out of them that needs to be filled by, by, by God's love and the work that he can do in their lives. So we see, the Holy, we see God working there already. Then we see in the Bible... We see this man is reading scripture, right? And I'm so thankful for the word of God. I'm thankful, like I said, verses, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We talk about many verses in scripture that talk about peace and the love and, and security we can have in him. And those are encouraging to me. But I think of the verses like, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Like, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not pretty, but it's the way it is, right? And that he came to be our propitiation. That's a funny one. I had trouble with it for a while there. But he came to be that payment for us. And what a beautiful promise that is. And we find uh, God working through his word. And I'm so thankful for that. And then obviously through us, like he worked through Philip, um, God said, go, go near to that chariot and join thyself to it. And he just ran up and talked to that person. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel God's impressing upon you to witness to somebody and you don't do it? You ever been there? I, I've been there before, and man, I hate that. I hope and I pray that God was able to get a hold of somebody else who wasn't stubborn to go ahead and share the gospel with them, because I didn't. And that's troubling to me. But we ought to be willing to do whatever the Lord, wherever the Lord shows us an opportunity to witness, we ought to be willing to do that. If we're a willing servant, God will direct us to those who are ready to hear or at least have a seed planted in their lives. So can I ask you to do a few things? Would you pray that God would bring people across your path? That, that's the first part of it. Pray that God would bring people across your path. And then truthfully, we know he does, right? We know that all around us we have those opportunities. Like I said, at the gas station or, or the coffee shop or wherever we are, we have those divine appointments to share the gospel with others. So will you take them? Will you do something about that? That is something we are missionaries to Belize, but I don't, I'm not just waiting till I get to Belize to be a missionary, okay? We, we do that wherever we are. And we, we ought to be doing that and have that mindset. So pray that God would pe bring people across your path, that you would take those opportunities. Then turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want us to realize that it's God's job to bring them to himself, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is evident in my life in, in two different ways, really. But we need to realize that it's God's job to bring them to himself. I, have, I hope and I am sure many of you have taken the opportunity to pass out tracts or invite others to church, and, and sometimes we will do a lot of that, and sometimes... You don't see anything happen, right? You ever get discouraged? It's like, Lord, I'm doing the work. I'm, I'm passing out invitations. I'm inviting people. I'm sharing the gospel. And nothing's going on right now. That can be a little discouraging. 
I can tell you it is for me on the mission field sometimes. Sometimes that happens to me, and then the extra pressure is, as I see, you have missionary letters back here. Do you know there's that pressure as well? Sometimes I'm like, it's the end of the month. I need to write a letter, and nothing's happened. Oh, no, what do I say? You know, maybe they'll be like, Pastor, um, <clears throat> this guy, nothing's happening. <sighs> we need to cut him, right? Sometimes you're worried about that, and we need to think of this passage of Scripture. Because our job is to just be willing to, to plant the seed, to, to share the gospel with others, and we let God do the rest, right? We say that that's where the increase comes from. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 6, says, says this. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You know what kind of an encouragement that is to me? I just have to be willing to share the gospel with others because truthfully, that's all we can do, right? You can't save anybody. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, right? That, that's, that's His. He does all the heavy lifting in this equation. We just need to be willing. I'm so encouraged by that. Also, in my area of the world, in Central America, it would be considered a warm climate culture. If you're familiar with that, in Canada, people are very transactional in their relationships, right? We have work friends. We have friends in business, and friends only because it's business. In Belize, that's not how friendship works. It's relational. It's spending hours talking and, and fellowshipping over food. And, and in Belize, if I see someone, well, say it like this. In Vancouver, if I lived here and I had a friend, I could be going into the grocery store or the hardware store, and I could be talking on the phone and, oh, hey, hey, how's it going? And then I could say, I said hi to my friend. In Belize, where I come from, if somebody came to church and I saw them in the grocery store, if I did not spend 10 minutes and say, hello, how are you? And, and how is your family? And did your dog have puppies? And, and how is your grandpa doing? And, and talk for 10 minutes, they're going to say, pastor is mad. He doesn't like me. He didn't talk to me. And it's a whole different relationship there. So we have to invest the time there. And we have to understand, like I said, God does the work. It takes longer, doesn't it? I have to share myself and get to know these people better because it's relational there. Also because it's relational, if I was to go to somebody in the street and say, hold on, hold on, let me, let me share you with you something. And I share, I go through John 3.16 and Romans 3.23 and 3.10 and all these things. If I say, hey, you just, I read this to you. Do you want to, do you want to pray with me? You know what they'll say? Uh-huh. Do you know why they'll say that? To get the white guy to leave them alone? It's, it's, just, it's just like you can't say no. It it's, all has to be yes, right? They don't want to offend. Like if I'm asking for directions to somewhere, I could say, where, how do I get to Walmart? We don't have a Walmart in Belize. But if I say, how do I get to Walmart? They'll say, okay, this is what you do. You go up this road, and you make a left, and you go down so. Is that where Walmart is? They don't know. They just know that you're away from them, and now it's somebody else's problem, right? They did not say no. If they say, I don't know, that would be considered culturally offensive. 
So you just pass it on to the next, right? So I have to be careful with that as well. In that situation, sometimes we have people come down to Belize and they'll say, we want to do a vacation Bible school. And guess what? We saw 300 people saved. No, no, no. You guys, 300 people say yes and bow their head and repeat after you. So we have to be very careful with that as well. So we have to allow, we have to do our part and witness, and we, allow, we have to allow God to do his part, okay? So just remembering that, that's helpful to me. And then we have to, we have to realize, like I said, who can I reach? Who can I tell? I, I'm nobody. Is, I really don't do anything. I wonder what Philip was like. He was reaching all these people for the Lord, and, and things were going well, and then God brought him down to the desert, to a place where it's just dry and bleh. But there was one man there, right? And because God, because Philip was willing to be used, he was able to reach this Ethiopian eunuch, right? And, and we know through history and different things, it's believed that that man went back to his area and a great event happened. And so many lives were reached because of that. Because Philip was willing to reach him, he was able to reach others. And you might not know who you reach, really, God's using you to reach, but who they can reach is just something else completely. I was over visiting with Brother Arvo today, and he was able to share a few instances like that. He says, I remember 40 years ago, I knocked on this guy's door. I did not want to be out. It was snowing. It was nasty, but I was just being out faithful. And, and I didn't know till years and years later how God worked, and now that man is a pastor or how that man has just transformed an area. And that's encouraging. And I'm thankful it's like that because it's God that does the work. We have number four, and lastly here this evening, a wonderful story. And we do have a wonderful story, right, in salvation, one that can't remain silent, and God wants it proclaimed through the word of God and through us, his servants, his, his willing servants. And, and you've probably heard this saying before, you might be the only Bible some people ever read, right? So let me ask, how are you doing? If somebody saw your life tonight, you maybe had a terrible day, I don't know, but if somebody saw your life, would they see Jesus in you? Or is it something we can improve? And I know we can all improve, right? That's something we need to work on. I'm going to close with this. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We'll read a few verses here, and we'll close. This really just gathers it all together. I am so thankful for the Bible. I'm thankful for a man named Philip because we see in this passage of Scripture that God is willing to use anybody. We just have to be willing to obey. We just have to be willing to get busy. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14, says this, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I am so thankful that we have the opportunity to serve the King of Kings and that he has allowed us to take a part in this. I wonder, can we do more? Can we, can we share the gospel with others more and allow God to work through us this evening? Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for just another example of somebody in Scripture who is willing to be used by you and how you were able to use him in a great way. Help us to be more like Philip this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.
Heads bowed and eyes closed as the piano plays. If God has spoken to your heart, hope that you'll take some time to respond. We've been challenged tonight. We've been reminded about our great privilege to share the gospel. We haven't been faithful. We need to confess that to the Lord and get back to it. So as the piano plays, let's do business with God.